Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today we, I have on the show, I have Jake Sutton, who um, is a software developer, and he's also got um, a couple of really interesting side projects. Um, Tonight's Negroni, which is a newsletter about booze that's not really about booze. Don't worry, I'm going to ask him about that. Um, and then Dipsomania, which is about booze and cocktail culture. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So tell me what your day, let's just talk, let's get this out of the way. What's your day job? So my day job uh, for the past 20 years has been software development, mostly for the web. And that's been, you know, shifting over different technologies over the years. Mostly these days I've been focused on Ruby and Rails, um, also a lot of JavaScript. But uh, the big change recently is I'm moving from full-time development into people management. So I'm, I'm an engineering manager now, by title. I like that, by title. How, <laughs> uh, uh, how is that, how's that been so far? It's been really interesting. It's uh, something just sort of, I, I finally let the switch flip and accepted the fact that I could actually do this mm. and, and, you know, actually help other people do their jobs well it's a different thing right I mean it's quite a different it is like a new job for you new set of skills new way of thinking about your work and that was really the big change mentally that I made was to realize that it was another learning opportunity basically so I mm. get to I get to acquire all these new skills and yeah which is great this at this point in your career right when you have uh, you know, a, a breadth of, ex, uh, you know, body of experience. Yeah. And how has, um, because you have a couple side projects, how has, you know, starting this new sort of role, has it had any impact on them or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, definitely more engaged at work means less engaged in sort of recreational side projects. So... So does that mean you spent a little less time on them or it's harder to find time or yeah. less interest? Um, a little bit of all of that. Uh, in a way, though, especially with the newsletter, that's sort of my place to um, hash things out and think about things out loud. And so it's actually a perfect place to talk about the shift to management and stuff like that. Um, but... I do have to have like the energy to do that writing um, and you know management is you know you're dealing with your empathy a lot and that can be really draining oh yes right and I mean dealing with people and and well and you mean like you know empathy and it, when you're a manager you also have to manage your own emotions right about things and have to be empathetic to what people are going through and yet there's still pressure to ship the darn thing yeah, it's definitely, uh, I feel like we could have a whole episode on that, but um, that's not what we're here to talk about today. But I, I, I want to, maybe we'll have you on again, because I'd love to talk about that, that, that shift to, um, from being, you know, 
maybe more whatever you want to call it, individual contributor or developer shipping code to manager. So yeah. for another for another time. Um, but but so tonight what we want to talk or today what we want to talk about is uh, your two side projects. And I noticed that they're both related to booze, but not yet related to booze. Right. There's like a, a theme there. How did that come about? Well, so I really like A, drinking cocktails, and B, making cocktails. It's, it's sort of my primary hobby. Um, mm. I have collected a lot of bottles. I'm one of those people, and I read a lot of books about cocktails and the history of and them. When, and, yeah, when you mean collecting a lot of bottles, do you mean like different kinds of like specialty, you know, liquors or something? Or is that what you mean? Yep. Yep. And reading about it. So you, this has been a hobby for a while for you. Yes. What, why did, how did you get into it as a hobby? Um, well, it's just safer. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, if you go out to nice cocktail bars, you can get yourself in trouble. Um, if you've had too many cocktails, uh, it's a, it's a lot safer to do that in the comfort of your own home and on your own couch so probably also well maybe cheaper although depending on what you're buying well definitely not. cheaper yeah just you know you're you're paying retail prices for the spirits instead of retail service prices for the cocktails mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah good distinction so which was first uh dipsomania or tonight's negroni tonight's negroni was first well so how did that come about how did you start that the newsletter about booze that's not really about booze and then se my second part of my question is how did you come up with that so let's let's dig in there okay so um well first of all to to sort of say what it is it's sort of like having a one-sided conversation with me because <laughs> i i can always turn a conversation towards cocktails just because it's always sort of on my brain um, so, like, I, if we're talking about food, but then you might talk about, like, pairing or something? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Yeah, which is some really good. Maybe we can get some uh, pairing suggestions <laughs> at the end here. Okay, keep going. Um, so, the first part of the uh, the newsletter, the, the way it's formatted is the first chunk of it is just sort of me talking about whatever's on my mind. And then I finish off with a drink recipe yep. that maybe an established like classic cocktail recipe or it may be something that I made up myself. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they're not necessarily contextualized, like the cocktail may not relate to what I was talking about in the first chunk of the newsletter. Yep. But sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. So and how, yeah, how did that start? Like how did you, what was the reason you started tonight's Negroni? Um, I wanted to make myself right again. I used to be a blogger and like most people, it seems like I fell out of that habit and wasn't really writing. And then tiny letters became a thing. Yep. And lots of people that I liked reading their stuff were publishing on tiny letters and newsletters. So I thought I'd try that out. And so it was basically me just trying out the medium of newsletters um, as opposed to normal blogging. Hmm. And that was the natural sort of 
framing device was the because I would post on Twitter like a picture of my drink and be like this is tonight's Negroni it has this gin and this vermouth and yada 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 so I translated that sort of Twitter habit into the newsletter and expanded sort of what I talked about subject matter wise so when you were writing before were you writing about when you're blogging were you was it about cocktail culture or was it about other things I mean I did a few sort of cocktail recipe blog posts um, after I had sort of gotten into that hobby and was actually developing my own recipes um, but that wasn't a regular thing that I did mm. and um, you know I, I was blogging back in the early days like around 2000 2002 oh that is really early days I started in 2005 but yeah that's really early days um, and you know, I was I was just one of those bloggers that just wrote about the news of the day and did quick links and did longer pieces and just the whole hodgepodge. Got it. Of we a could, personal blog. I want to go back. I want to be nerdy for a minute. So when you first started blogging, what platforms? Like, how did you do it? What platforms did you use? Um. I I really got started blogging when Blogger.com launched. Uh huh. Yep. Like, I remember when that happened, and I was like, I signed up right away. And then I did all kinds of nerdy stuff, like using Blogger to publish to XML and, you know, mm -hmm. use that XML in separate feeds and stuff like that. Uh, so really, really nerdy stuff, just sort of practicing my programming chops in, in the blogging arena. But Right, because it was really different back then. Right now, everybody has a blog, but back then... I remember a guy that I worked with, um, Patrick, had a blog, and he would write about uh, our manager, <laughs> our, <laughs> like people at our company. I remember once he wrote about our, our manager and um, his now his girlfriend at the time, now wife, and I was fascinated with his blog. And he used it as very much like workplace confessionals. Hmm. Um, but that that's, was a different world. Yeah, that seems dangerous now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, even back then, I was like, oh, Patrick, you like to live on the edge. I. Off air, I'll tell you a little bit about Patrick. He was a really, really interesting guy. I've lost touch with him, but um, I very much remember I would read it like constantly. I was fascinated with it. It took me until 2005 to launch my first blog. Mm. So, so early, early days in the blog world. And so you fell out of it, and then you started tonight's Negroni. And how did the title come up with? Was it because you were always that Twitter? Did it just come naturally yeah. out of the posting on Twitter? Totally, because the Negroni is my favorite drink. Um, and I do like to play with variations of it, uh, substituting different ingredients. So tonight's Negroni is just sort of a Jake thing, I guess. Yeah, well, I, and I, it's, it's funny because I'm not huge. I'm not huge into cocktail culture. I, I'm, although I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of tequila. That's my, <laughs> that's my thing. I'm a tequila person. Um, and sometimes, once in a while, I like a good mezcal, though a lot of them are just a little smoky for me. But I do like a good, I do like a good tequila, and otherwise I don't drink a lot of other cocktails. Mm -hmm. And I was recently um, in Denver with uh, our mutual friend, Kendra Anderson, who's Swirl Girl Denver, who's about to open her own cocktail restaurant bar. She's a huge Negroni fan. She's a huge, exactly, she's a huge Negroni fan. 
And what I learned from her was that there are all these different varieties. Because I was asking her, what's going to be on your menu? You know, mm -hmm. How are you planning this out? And I did not, I, this might sound really ignorant, and you can, you can chuckle at, at my expense, I don't mind. I didn't realize there were so many different ver versions of a Negroni. Right. I had well, no idea. You have no reason to have any idea. Okay, good. You're making me, I don't know if, if that's real, but you're making me feel better. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, people like Kendra and I can sit in a room and talk about Negronis for hours uh, but then you walk down the street and you meet somebody who's like never had a Negroni and they don't know why you would care. You know, it's, it's like, it's such a focused niche, this whole cocktail thing. And how I fell into it, it I'm kind of surprised, but like I, I'm, I'm at the point now like where bartenders know me just because of my sort of online presence and mm -hmm. I can walk into a new bar and sometimes even be recognized just because of my online presence right, cause you around like, Denver. Yeah, because you like to talk about that, you know, because not just, I mean, anybody can sort of knock back a drink, but it's like that idea that you like to talk about it and the craft of it and yeah. that, that interest in it. So let's just, for, every, for me and for everyone, what's a classic Negroni? So the Negroni is a perfectly simple drink because it's equal parts. You have gin, uh, you have a bitter liqueur called Campari, which is the bright red uh, Italian liqueur. And then you have sweet vermouth, so the red vermouth. And you just do an ounce of each of those. And that's, so that's, the, that's the, the classic. Yeah, and typically these days it's served on the rocks in a big old-fashioned glass. Um, it can be stirred on ice and poured up in a cocktail glass. Well, and so if you're, if there's all these variations, then what makes a Negroni a Negroni? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, where does it begin to become something else? Are there a few components? Is it additive? Are you adding more things? Or, you know what I mean? What I'm trying to get at? Usually when you're making variants like that, you're substituting. Ah. Um, so, like, you can make a Mezcal Negroni, and it's delicious, and then that's just substituting the Mezcal for the gin of the classic Negroni. Mm, okay. And or you can use uh, different bitter liqueurs. So there's a whole class of liqueurs called amari, which are these Italian bitter liqueurs. And so you can take out the Campari and substitute something like Chinar, and have a what is really a totally different drink, but still matches the Negroni template. Oh, so. And can what about the sweet vermouth? Could you could you substitute that out and it still be a Negroni or no? Well, I mean, it'll still be following the template. If you're if yep. if you substitute, uh, say, Bianco vermouth or maybe a sherry for for the vermouth, um, it'll be a totally different drink, but it's still matching the template. Got it. Okay, so I think I have I think I have my boundaries for what 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 is a what is a uh, a Negroni. So, okay, I, and I want to get to this question that I promised I would ask, which is how did it come about to be a newsletter about booze that's not really about booze? Like, was that from the very beginning, or did that evolve? I think it was something I recognized about it after I'd written a few of them, because I think I, I, I did set out to sort of, like, talk about boozy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I sort of follow the 
cocktail news, as it were, you know, like a imbibe magazine comes to my door every month and everything. Um, so I was gonna set out to talk about like, you know, these are the new gins that are really exciting me or something like that, and then have associated drink recipes. But I have a lot more fun just sort of talking extemporaneously about whatever's on my mind. And that's often not, you know, the latest gin on the market or something like that. So. It sounds like you just gave yourself permission yeah. to decouple it or to write about what you wanted to write well, about. Or I just got bored with my formula almost immediately. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. The formula. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. What I was th even thinking about when I started Indie Dotes, I was thinking about I spent quite a bit of time thinking about what's the format and will I get bored and do I have enough runway? You know what I mean? Do I have enough topics or people or, or places to go? Themes. Oh, yeah. It's something to think about when you have a project that is meaningful. But, I mean, it's good for all projects. But, you know, like my project doesn't make me money. The, you know, Indie Dance makes me nothing. It costs me money. Um, but I, I love it. It's the favorite thing I do. I look forward to every Tuesday when I record. Um, so thinking about that format, like, the, you know, the fact that you gave yourself freedom in that right away is pretty great. Well, and I, I, I always try to do that with my side projects just because I want them to engage me. And if, if they feel like work, I'm not going to be interested in doing them. Mm. Like, I, I do these things to entertain myself outside of work, so... Right, so you don't have you didn't do this to make it become your work, right? And I I didn't do it to like grow an audience, or it certainly doesn't make me money or anything like that. It's just me sort of putting my thoughts out into the world, and it turns out there's a handful of people that subscribe and read them, and sometimes they reply, and that's awesome. Yeah, I'm one of those people who who, who replies. I remember one time we had a very in depth conversation about dogs. Yep. I kept trying to send you a picture of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, I'll be honest with you. I like the recipes, but because I'm not a Negroni fan and because I'm not a huge cocktail person, like I don't, we have, I mean, I think we have some um, Scotch whiskey from Scotland, yeah. but we don't have, otherwise we don't have, I don't have a liquor cabinet and I have wine around the house most of the time but you know what I love I actually love the the not about booze part a lot like I like the the booze part too but I, I really love the stories that you share like you know recently talking a little bit about like hobbies and and related to burnout you know right I love the idea of like you know that they're not necessarily a, a sign of, of burnout hobbies but they can be right like so I love what you talk about. I love the other stuff that you talk about. I feel like I get to know who you are, and I do feel like I'm sitting and having a drink with you. Yeah, and that's all I'm really looking for, and that's also all we're looking for with the podcast, which I know we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But um, that's really just my friend Lance and I having drinks and talking, um, which, you know, as, as a podcast, I'm honestly not sure how valuable it is, but it keeps us entertained. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds to me like a lot of your side project stuff is more about creative expression. Absolutely. Um, it, 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 it's really valid. I think sometimes we have so much pressure to, like, 
do something that makes a lot of money and grows a big audience. Otherwise, why would you do it? And I think that, that, that that's kind of a misnomer. Yeah, I, I really love having tens of people in my audiences. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need thousands of people to subscribe to my podcast. I, I like the fact that we have literally tens, maybe a hundred, you know, for my newsletter is around a hundred, I think. And that's great to me. Like, I think that's great. I don't know all hundred of those people. So that's cool. We have right. listeners for our podcast from Sweden and the UK, and I don't know those people. Why are they listening to my podcast? This is so strange. <laughs> right, right. And, and I think sometimes it's easy for us to get away from creative expression and, and we can like you know bound ourselves up with stress or expectation if it always has to make money or always has to build an audience or always has to be going somewhere big well and the fact that i'm not worried about like achieving something with either of these things it, it means i can do it as it comes I, I, it seems like you have a really set schedule for recording this podcast, which I know is great for forming the habit and like getting into the mm. rhythm of it. Yep. Um, but Lance and I just sort of decide like, hey, it's been a while since we've talked. So right. what drink should we focus on? And we, so we have a really uh, scattered schedule. And also with the newsletter, I sort of get to it when I get to it and don't have a set schedule. Um, I have done it with a schedule. I've tried to keep to a schedule, or I have actually made myself keep to a schedule in the past. It's just, it's not my primary focus in life, so I treat it like that and get to it when I get to it. Well, well right. And there, I think there are all sorts of ways to do side projects, business, life. Uh, you know, there's just not one way to go about it. Um, I know for me, so what I do, I love this idea, I love that we're talking about schedules and scheduling around projects. So for me, um, I am, I read this thing recently. Um, so Paul Miners does this stuff on productivity and he has this really great quiz, like what kind of productivity type are you or like scheduler? You know, are you the kind of person who, um, like, so for me, I'm a batching tasks so I like to batch all of my tasks on one day. So, so, um, so like Mondays are a big day of client meetings. That's when I work with my clients. And I, I, I like to separate that out. So then Tuesdays is when I'm, uh, I record the podcast. You know, so that, that way it just makes the routine easier for me. I've got a Calendly link. You know, you went through the process. I, it's oh, yeah. pretty organized. Yeah, I try absolutely. to be organized. Hopefully it's easy. Because I thought, well, I want to make this easy on my guests. Because I was really clear when I wanted to have a podcast, I did not want to talk for a half hour, an hour by myself. I'm like, oh, my God, people are going to be bored, and I won't know what to talk about. Because I love conversation. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have other guests right versus like a regular host i need to organize this for them and make it regular so that i, I know when i'm doing it and it makes it honestly it's less stress for me i think we both have less stress but we just get about it in different ways right yeah it, for me uh i'm a big checklist guy mm. uh if i have something that i actually want to get done or achieve like i will lay down a checklist and sort of bullet journal style but i don't keep the running daily bullet journal going and so if I want to 
you know, edit the podcast and get it published and also write another tonight's Negroni. And because they've all been sort of lagging behind, I will just sort of make myself a checklist and that helps me actually focus enough to do it. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, there, like I said, we said, right, there are lots of different ways yep. uh, to, to do that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess for me, I'm also a checklist person, um, but when it comes to, but not with the pod, I mean, not with recording the podcast. I, 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 it's funny because I've gone in and out of this whole idea of like, do you, should you schedule yourself? Should you not? Should you leave it wide open? Um, and I, so um, I really like where I've landed with my schedule these days because like Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is when I do a lot of my deep thinking and, I'm, and I write. Um, and then Sundays I edit the podcast and it's very enjoyable for me. And frankly, you know, um, on Mondays I love my clients at the end of the day, I'm kind of tired. And Tuesdays, I, I was worried a little bit that like back to back so many talking to people because I'm really kind of a closet introvert. I read like an extrovert, but I'm actually pretty introverted. Right, yeah. <laughs> people always think I'm like super extrovert and I'm like, no, I just am out for a period and then I'm like in my hole and you won't hear from me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but like I thought I would be worried that Monday and Tuesday back to back, but I actually find that these episodes really make me excited so well they're different types of conversations yeah they are they are mostly i'm not responsible for a lot of the talking (laughs) i get to ask good questions and and hear what other people think um so anyway back to the scheduling it sounds like it works for you to do it to, to not have any pressure um so when it's your own project that's easy to do but did you and lance so let's talk about dipsomania and how dipsomania got started like how long had tonight's negroni been going before dipsomania got started oh i mean probably a year or um you know the first run of it basically because it's kind of been broken into three chunks for tonight's negroni like I had a I had a solid run for a while and then life happened and I didn't do it for months and then I picked it back up and had a had another solid run at it and then life happened and I dropped it for a while um, so it was part of one of those lulls I think and um, you know I was just listening to a bunch of podcasts and as I listened to podcasts, I learned about podcasts, and it seemed like podcasting was the new approachable medium. So mm-hmm. same story as with the newsletter. It's like I kind of wanted to try out this new medium. Oh, that's so interesting that you're looking at me- the medium, uh, that, that you wanted to, to explore and play with that. So when did you um, start Dipsomania? What year? Uh, 2015 in September. Oh, so you're coming up on your two-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Happy anniversary. Um, which, just to illustrate our sort of lazy style, that's going to be like episode 22. Okay, episode 22, <laughs> yeah. Over those two years. So about 10 a year, maybe once yeah. a month or so, not quite? Pretty much. Okay. And so how did that get started? Who came up with, you know, the idea? Like you said, okay, I'm interested in this medium. Did you immediately think that you should do something with Lance and around booze and cocktail culture, or how did that come about? Uh, so Lance is big on Twitter, and he's 
He's actually really funny because he has a few habits on Twitter. Um, basically, is if he has kind of a rough day, he'll post a bunch of music videos to sort of self-soothe as, as well as sort of um, broadcast to the world. And uh, he also used to do uh, an outing with his friends every Tuesday to go to bars in San Francisco. And they called it Tipple Tuesday. And he would post cocktail uh, recipes on Twitter. So I think it was one of those Tipple Tuesdays and I was like stewing on the idea of trying out podcasting. So I was like, hey Lance, let's do a booze podcast. And he thought it was a fun idea. And that's how we started a couple years ago. Did, did you know him before that? Was he a random stranger or was he a friend? Um, so he's he's one of the classic internet friends. Mm, yes. Um, he was an old school blogger too. He had a, a site called glassdog.com and did some wonderful writing back in the day. And uh, so I followed him back then. I don't think he knew who I was. Oh, wow. And, and just through Twitter more recently, we got friendly. And that's like... We still haven't met face to face. Oh my gosh, that's so great. But when you suggested this, you weren't like some completely random person. No, we were already interacting quite f frequently. Right, I, lo I, I love that. And we should say, what is Lance's full name? Lance Arthur. Lance Arthur. And we'll, we'll make sure in the show notes that we'll put um, like his Twitter handle yeah. so that people can uh, get to know who he is. Does he still do Tipple Tuesdays? Uh, well, these days it's Dungeons and Dragons Tuesday, so he doesn't post the drink recipes as much. Uh, okay, I'm gonna sound um, maybe ignorant here. What is Tipple Tuesdays like? What's where's Tipple come from? So Tipple is like having a drink. Ah, ah, got it. Okay, it's a drink culture thing. I'm yep. learning so much. Clearly, I am not informed, but now <laughs> I'm learning. This is what you're gonna educate me on, and I love it. Um, so okay, so. So you guys decide to start it, and how did the name Dipsomania come up? Uh, that was just a little brainstorming exercise on, a, on our part. Um, we had to call the podcast something, and uh, it was actually Lance's suggestion. But Dipsomania is just another word for drunkenness, basically. Oh, it, I see. Again, I had no idea. It's, it, it used to be like the medical diagnosis term. For drunkenness. Oh, really? It, it, do they still they don't do they still use that term? Not really. Not really. So it's like an old, vintage term. Yep. Oh, wow, learning new things here. So, um, when and and how did you start conceiving of dipsomania? What it was going to be? Was it clear right away that it was just going to be casual conversation? Like, how did you proceed? So you get the name. Well, so the format is we pick a drink. Um, and basically we make ourselves two rounds, maybe three rounds of that drink, uh, and have discussion around the drink itself, but then also just sort of extemporaneous, whatever we are thinking about sort of conversation. So it's not really, uh, do you talk about the drink very much? It's not really about the drink. We cover the history of the drink where it's, if, if we know good history for the drinks. You don't actually always find uh, reliable information on 
classic cocktails. It's kind of funny. Um, but so we, we cover that. We, we talk about, you know, sort of like I just did with Negroni's. You talk about the template of the drink, you know, is this a sour or is this like a Manhattan, but something's different or whatever. So some of that conversation, but then it's then it just turns into sort of dinner party conversation. Got and it. We'll talk about movies and music and whatever else. Well, two things. So one, again, this might sound really silly, but what I'm what strikes me is this idea of drink templates. I I never knew there was such a thing. That, that there was a template for a kind of drink. That makes perfect sense, right? That's how bartenders know how to fix different drinks or alter something, right? Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's the primary mode for making something new up is you base, you know, like you tweak something that already exists. Hmm. It's, it's almost impossible to come up with something from scratch brand new in this world of cocktails because it, it's been going on since the 1800s and the spirits themselves haven't changed that much over time so uh, when you're recording the episode how when do you decide how do you decide when you're re- going to record does it is it just pretty casual uh, when one of you has like a new drink idea or you're just available yeah so we, we're on a slack channel together and basically when either one of us has a slow weekend coming up or something like that we'll sort of poke each other and be like, so should we record this Sunday? For some reason, we always do Sundays. Um, oh, see, you have a little bit of a routine. Yeah, we within the, the wide-ranging <laughs> boundaries of our schedule, we, we do have some routine for sure. And uh, so we do Sundays, you know, late afternoons. Um, and... It's, it's, it's a really nice way to finish up a weekend, I'll say that much. Um, and so beforehand, who picks the drink that you're gonna have? You have the same drink, correct? Yeah, so we will propose a drink. So we'll do like the margarita episode was the last one we published. It's, it's a equal opportunity. Either one of us can have the idea to and suggest a drink. Uh, I think I was the one that's like, hey, it's summertime, let's do margaritas or also, sometimes we discuss it while we are recording. We'll be like, next time we need to do da-di-da. Um, so it's very, like anyone can, either one of you can propose and it's it's very fluid and easy. You're not very, absolutely. Yeah. not super rigid or precious about it. And like for the one that we just recorded, uh, actually yesterday, so not a Sunday, um, we, Lance, suggested we do a, a classic drink from New Orleans called a Vucare. So he, so he proposed Vucare, and do you drink the exact same recipe? Like if it's classic, I guess it would be the same recipe? You'd think that, but not necessarily. Okay, well that's why I asked. I'm like, I, obviously I'm a novice here in this world. So yeah. uh, help me, educate me. So there are various reliable and less reliable sources on the internet to look up drinks and also... Like, like anything? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, I have a shelf full of cocktail books that I consult and 
So we make our own drinks. Uh, we don't consult on like which recipe you're going to use or anything like that. We just show up at the beginning of the episode and be like, well, this is how I made mine using these spirits and these proportions. And then we take turns doing that. And then we talk about the history of the drink where, as much as we know it and uh, go from there. Oh, that's interesting. So when you each, ha in some ways, each having your own recipe gives you more to talk about because you can talk about what you did with your drink and the variations. Yeah, and we get to uh, talk about new spirits that we've discovered. You know, if I have a fancy whiskey that I used and I'm like, really suggest people try this whiskey. Um, things like that come up. And so when you do the, um, do you both, or either one of you do research on the history of the drink before the episode? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of unreliable at that, but we try to. <laughs> wait, 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 are you unreliable in the information you present or are you unreliable in researching it? In taking the time to research it, yeah. yeah. Like, hit, a little bit hit or miss. But, you know, like I say, it, it's a very casual endeavor, so we, we don't worry too much about it. Right, you're not too precious about that, whether yeah. it falls off and, and, and all of that. Um, so what, One thing I think people don't realize is we do do show notes, and uh, a lot of times as I'm editing shows, I will catch mistakes and I'll fix things, or I'll, I'll at least mention things in the show notes. But I don't, I don't know how many uh, podcast listeners make a habit of checking show notes for the podcast they listen to. So it's, it's one of the problems with the podcast medium, I think, that hasn't quite been solved. Yeah, tell me more. What do you mean? Like Just, so there, there's the moment when you record the podcast. Yep. And that's, you know, all just sort of on the fly, whether you've prepared ahead of ahead of time or not it's it's in that moment you're presenting whatever information you're presenting right because you can't fully prepare before ahead of time otherwise you have a script and then it's something else right and even if you do have a script you know something may happen things may change yep um so it's it's hard to update the information in a podcast and so, like I say, I try to use my show notes to make corrections where that's appropriate, but I don't know if that's a reliable way to get yeah. that correction out to the audience at all. Yeah, I, th I think that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I do try to put out show notes so folks can find out more. Mostly, my I use mine for uh, more information about what we talked about on the show because mm -hmm. I can sit here and say, oh, it's this.com or whatever, but you know, people aren't writing it down, so I always want to have the yeah. visual version of it. Mine, my, mine isn't ever, I've never had to correct anything, so that's interesting. I, I haven't had to like correct a piece of information, but it's more about sharing more information. Right. And, and that's the base sort of spirit of what I'm doing too, is like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm linking to the gins that we talked about or something like that. And, but if I like got the name wrong or something like that, yeah. I'll call it out next to the link. I'm like, so here's this gin. It's called this, not this. Mm. You know, what I said on the show was wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that gets, I don't know if that gets to people. Like I haven't had any feedback. Um, it's a good question. 
the the feedback loop on podcasts is also interesting like i get almost no feedback from podcasts but i get i get way more replies to the email newsletters than i get any mentions on the podcast well and i think it makes sense like the mediums right it's very easy for me to just click reply on yep. a newsletter whereas with the podcast uh it does take a little bit more effort you know, I mean, I guess unless somebody leaves you a, re a review, because it's true, I don't know. I mean, I was at Rails Camp this past weekend, and someone said, oh, I really like your podcast. And I was like, oh, someone listens. Wow. Right? Yeah. Cool. I'm not just talking into, right now, I'm talking into my microphone and a pillow. Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I literally have pillows on my desk because I'm trying to uh, minimize the reverb. But I'm always like, am I just talking to myself and this one other person? <clears throat> and you don't know with podcasts. It is hard to get feedback. I have been very lucky, though. I've had a few people take time to write me separately on Twitter to give me feedback, and that's been wonderful. But it is hard to know with podcasts, you know, to get yeah. that feedback loop. And I know some podcasts have really engaged audiences, and my, my podcast is obviously very small. Uh, so I can't, I don't expect that much, but I also kind of feel like the smaller the audience, the more intimate it is. And I'm surprised mm -hmm. I haven't gotten something. So you uh, haven't had any feedback in a couple of years. I, I've had like the, the listener in Sweden talk, talk to me on Twitter. And, mm -hmm. uh, I know, I know a couple of my friends listen to my podcast and right. they, they've mentioned it from time to time, but what did the, the, the listener from Sweden say? Just like great podcast. No, I think I had asked for like a suggestion or something like that. And so they participated in that sort of, uh, prompted yeah. feedback. Well, I've done that. I've looked for feedback like, hey, who else do you want to hear about on my, who, who else do you want to hear from on my podcast? And it's been absolute crickets. Yeah. Um, absolute crickets. So I've stopped asking that question, or at least I will stop asking soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've put out the call like, you know, what drink should we talk about next? And just crickets, nothing. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about like mediums and, and the way that, because like feedback loops are really important when we're creating things if, not, I mean, obviously they're important if you want to get them out there in the world for a specific reason, like to make money or build an audience. But right. they're also good for, in, in a creative expression. I want to know what people are interested in. I want to continue, for me, the feedback is part of my creative expression loop. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, is this landing at all? It's always good information because <laughs> on, on a certain level, Lance and I kind of don't care because right. we're, we're basically just having our Skype calls every once in a while and recording them and doing some editing. And, and you had a delicious drink. Right. So it, it's fulfilling in itself for the two of us, but it would be nice to know if it's landing at all with anybody. And yeah, that's a really hard feedback loop to get started for podcasts, I think. I think it is, too. And it strikes me, too, like, because you really think a lot about mediums. And, and that's why you started, you know, tonight's Negroni and Dipsomania was, was out of this desire to explore a medium. And so and it's interesting that you see the difference between the newsletter. You, you know, do you feel like the feedback you get in the newsletter, does it help you? To, can you incorporate it into other newsletters? Well, I mean, usually it's 
it's a lot like, you know, when I wrote about my dog and you replied to that and we had a whole conversation about dogs and the impacts they have on your lives. Um, the, the replies I get to the newsletter start little direct conversations with those people. Like it's usually a back and forth of like two or three emails. And it's not necessarily like feedback to use for the future. It's just like, oh, this triggered this response in me. Let's talk about that. And that is awesome. I love it when that happens. Well, it builds a connection, right? I think that that's a little bit, I find the same thing. When people write back on my newsletter, I just absolutely love it. And it doesn't happen every time, but it happens sometimes. And that, you know, the medium of podcasting is a little bit different because uh, it, it definitely is more effort for them to connect with us around it. There's well, and think, think about how you listen to podcasts. You know, I listen to podcasts either in my car or walking um, mm -hmm. with headphones on. It's not a place where I can, like, interact with somebody. And because podcasts are recordings of a moment in time that has passed now, yep. you know, the, the classic thing is, like, uh, I listened to a couple podcasts with this fellow, John Roderick, who is hilarious, but often is at least slightly wrong. <laughs> at least slightly what? Wrong. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 he's, he's probably factually correct, but at least his opinion oftentimes creates the impulse of like screaming at your car stereo or mm. screaming at your headphones because like, no, 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 no. You want to argue with this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a friendly way, but <laughs> right, you want to debate. Yeah, you want to debate, but you can't with podcasts. Like that's not an option. So you have to like go to a different medium to engage on that, and like there's a time separation and everything. So yep. it's a really difficult. It's not a conversational medium, except for the conversation of the podcast like the the conversation between lance and i is conversation but the audience doesn't get to participate in well, that right right like if it's, it's not conversational i wonder like what do we love about it so much what makes you know what i mean like as it's podcast, compelling yeah Come, like, say more what do you mean well i mean the medium itself as a consumer is it's so compelling like it's my favorite thing i listen to podcasts more than i read or more than i watch tv like mm. I'm really into podcasts these days, but, uh, yeah, as an audience member, you can only consume. And what's compelling about it? What, what makes you so into it? Just the breadth of it. Um, it's such a low barrier to entry, I think. Yeah. Um, so lots of different voices are coming out all the time. And, you know, I have too many podcasts. I can't keep up with my podcasts. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so the low barrier it's to so entry. Great. Yeah. Well, and also the other thing I think about, about barrier entry too, is I'll put it on while I'm cooking because I love to cook. So I'll put on a podcast. I can't watch TV right. while I'm, you know, doing something. But, you know, if I'm sort of like there's some downtime in my cooking, 
I love having a podcast on in the background and I've discovered many and I'll, I'll put them I'll put the put my phone out on the counter and I'll just put the podcast on yep and listen to somebody talk about a topic that's really fascinating to me well and that's the thing the, the breadth of topics is my favorite thing because you mm-hmm. can find I, I love sort of general interest podcasts like 99% invisible and radio lab and stuff they they have their sort of themes but they they cover topics of of wide variety um, but you can also find just the silliest little niche podcasts. And sure. if, if that appeals to you, then there it is. You have new friends to listen to every so often. Well, right. It's interesting because it's not a conversational medium and yet there's a way in which it builds community, mm-hmm. right? Or people, community, parts of a community can be attracted to it. So of the two mediums, newsletter versus podcast, do you prefer one or do you like them for different reasons? Um, I think I like them for different reasons. I, if it was less time consuming, especially on the editing side, mm-hmm. I would probably prefer podcasting. Um, Why is that? Just because it's... Uh, Lance and I like the, it's not just my single voice um, I like that so I like I like having those conversations and you know being pushed outside my own brain by somebody else's brain right um, which is what I like about this you know I like talking with somebody else I, I would never want to listen to myself I love I don't I have no idea what we're gonna talk about people always say that I have no idea what we're gonna talk about and I'm like yeah me neither Right. Uh, and I love that we get to create it in the moment. Yep. Yeah, that's that's precisely what I like about doing the podcast, too. And, uh, you know, some days are better than other days, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's always fun. And I mm-hmm. I like it a lot. The, the newsletter is, you know, that's just if I have something that I have to get out of my head singularly, like that's what that's for. And I, lo- I love that it's more responsive in terms of the feedback. Like if I, if I land something on the, on the newsletter, then I will get replies from people that I know or people that I don't know that are subscribed. And those, you know, further the conversation. Which is satisfying, yeah. right? Because again, it's, it's like touching, like building community and talking yeah, with other people. It's hugely satisfying, about. but those are private, which yeah. is interesting. Like those are private conversations. Those aren't for the other audience members to participate in. Like that's just one-on-one. Um, whereas if you do interact with a podcast, usually it's something like you have to go on Twitter and say something to the world about the podcast. Like, there's hardly ever a direct channel. Right. There's definitely a barrier there to make it a little bit more public or to have that conversation more public uh, or to reach a a podcaster, right? There's definitely a a bigger barrier. But this is why I like to experiment with different mediums just to identify the pros and cons of them. Right. Well, that's what, you know, I wanted to ask you, What's your, do you have another medium on the horizon that you want to experiment with or that you're curious about? I don't think so. Um, okay. Po- podcasting really seems like it's the of the moment thing. Um, 
Is, is that what? So that so is it that? Um, is it your curiosity is when other people start using a medium and then you wonder how you might use it? Well, it, it's usually if I am consuming something. Hmm. Uh, so I was reading a lot of newsletters and signing up for a lot of tiny letters. And then I was like, well, I should try this. Mm. So it's that, well, I should try this moment. And, you know, that has happened with podcasts. And, uh, you know, this is actually the first time I'm on somebody else's podcast. So that's a step. Yeah. How, how is that? Has it been weird being on the other side of the mic or no? Not really. Uh, just Just because my podcast is conversational like this so yeah. it, format wise it's pretty similar um but still like you had to figure out how to introduce me and stuff like that and that's kind of weird mm-hmm. um, but yeah so there's not like a new there isn't any new mediums that you're curious about at this point not that i've found yet i'm sure i'm sure something will come along i really like what you said about it sounds to me like you going from a you, you go from like consuming something to then want to be a creator of something yeah which is really great because a lot of times we're just consuming you know what i mean like like this week i i rather than than, than doing our own creation like i was this week on, on my newsletter i talked a lot about um active versus passive rest and how passive rest is really more like if you're watching TV or something or you're consuming somebody else's stuff, that's more passive. Yeah. But, you know, being more active, I find recording my podcast not to be work, but to be more like what they what the experts call like active rest. Mm. It, it's it's engaging. And I, I love I'm, I'm creating rather than just consuming. And even though I'm putting more effort out, I actually feel more refreshed. Well, and a, a lot of hobbies uh, will start off in sort of consumption mode just by necessity because you need to learn the new hobby. Yep. So like you'll watch videos, you'll read books and things like that. Like uh, I don't do much of it these days, but I, I did do some woodworking and mm. that that came from years of watching Norm Abrams and This Old House and stuff like that on PBS. And it's like, well, I feel like I sort of know what goes into this. So I'll get some tools and some wood and see if I can make things. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so great. I, lo- I love how you do that. How you because some of us don't get beyond just consuming, and consuming is not bad. But I really love how you take you consume a new medium, and then you say, "Well, lo- now I want to experience it in a different way for myself." Yeah, actually, producing is is a different mode, and it's m- differently fulfilling uh, than just consuming something like. Education is primarily consuming, but there's the second part of education that is like trial and error and actually making things um, with your knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, and there's so much fun with that, right? Like, I love. I have no idea what I'm doing with my podcast, and I heard it had an echo, and so now I've got pillows in front of my. Well, thing, and and I don't know what yeah, I'm doing, and I love it. There's so much to learn about podcasting, like, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out how to edit and figuring out, um, do, do you want to have like a cold intro recorded? Oh gosh, I'm still or, trying to figure that you know, out. All those things. Yeah. Even like picking out the music. Oh my gosh. We spent months trying to fig- pick out the music and we were going to have somebody write something. And then we kind of set the podcast aside for a while and, 
And then I came back to it. And I was like, I want to start a podcast. It was like this last spring or something. And uh, so, so my partner and I spent one Saturday night listening to uh, music. I wanted, I wanted eight bit video reminiscent uh-huh. music. Yeah. So we spent like I don't know, like an hour. Like, oh no, that's too peppy. Oh, that's too video gamey. <laughs> but it was so much fun, and we came up with something. And I, and I'm not gonna lie, I like my news, my intro music. I sometimes mm-hmm. put on the podcast just to hear the intro music. <laughs> I know that's super nerdy. I like it that much, but I didn't create it, so at least I'm not like I love my music so much. Right. Um, but that was a whole decision process that took a lot of time, and then whether you blend it in with the with, while you're saying like some people, a lot of people talk over their music. Yep. Whereas mine's a video game, and it's too bright and cheery. I don't right. think that that works. But I'm still le- learning on the transition and how do you transition from the music to the speaking. Mm-hmm. So many things to learn, and now everyone's going to be listening to my transitions. <laughs> not have said that. But I hope I hope everyone will listen to the music and and because it's really fun and 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 uh, peppy. <laughs> if that's the word. <laughs> enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I've learned so much and I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me.